Well, good morning, church. Quick disclaimer, this is probably the second time in my life that I've preached in jeans. Last time was after I got back from my sabbatical after hiking for two weeks. I felt it's the only natural thing to do. Uh, today's baptism. We had a baptism in the first service, so basically I went to my closet. What pair of pants need to be washed that have been sitting there for a while? Ta-da. So, uh, yeah, that's a true story. I'm not making it up. These pants needed to be washed, so they're going to get baptized today. So anyway, grab your Bibles. We're going to open up God's Word, and I'm going to be all over the place. Just be ready to roll with me. I'll tell you, if you want to, the first place is Matthew chapter 6. It's it's that time of year when we see all the graduations taking place. It's a fun time. It's an exciting time. It can be a stressful time, especially for our graduates, because graduates, if you're in here, some of you, whether it's um, high school or college, you're, you're going to get that question. What are your plans? What are you going to do next? College? Job force? Armed forces? Undecided? And a lot of you graduates, you're like, you've got that answer, ready to roll. But at the same time, you're sort of like, deep down, like, I really don't know. It's stressful. Because you're sitting there thinking, what if I do go to college and I don't like my roommate? What if this is not the right place for me? What if I pick the wrong college? What if through my first year I can't afford it anymore? What if I go into the workforce and it's not the right job for me? What if I don't like this job? What do I do? There's so many pressures and stress that our young people are trying to figure out. Wouldn't it be great if God was like in the flesh, like it was Jesus Christ right there in the flesh, walking beside you, and he leaned over and he goes, this is what you need to do. This is, I'm, I'm just going to whisper in your ear and tell you. Wouldn't that be awesome? We do this exercise with a, a lot of our athletes where we blindfold them, and then I have them walk across an area where there's a bunch of balls on the ground, and they can't step on the ball or they're out. And they've got one person that walks behind them, and they tell them, step left, right, and they tell them where to step. If they step on it, they're out. So they, they're listening. They're trying to listen to the voice so they can make the right choice. Problem is, everybody else on the side is screaming and yelling all kinds of stuff. So they have to really tune in and hear that right voice so they make the right choice. And that's sort of the way it is in life, spiritually speaking. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of commotion. And if we could just tune in and hear the voice of God, it'd be so much more comforting, wouldn't it? Because God doesn't want us to experience stress and anxiety. That's why I'm having you turn to Matthew 6. We want to start there because I want to lay down this point that Jesus says, I want you to trust me. Look what he says. It begins with this. No one can serve two masters. This is Matthew chapter 6, starting verse 24. You will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? No. Look at verse 28. Why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? 
These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all things. Live righteously. He'll give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. See, Jesus knew with us, with mankind, we would struggle between the things of this world and himself. We would be all over the place and worry, and our, and our focus is supposed to be on the, fo- on the kingdom of God and not on building the kingdom here. Now, it is fun to build things here. For those of you who like to build things and create things and planning, it's all good. But he's saying, which one's more important? The kingdom of God or building our own kingdom? Well, obviously the kingdom of God, but we get wrapped up in building our own kingdom. And he says, let's refocus here. Let's get you focused on the kingdom of God. And, and here's what we're going to do today. That's we're going to focus on the kingdom of God. We're going to focus on a heavenly future. Because here's, here's the truth, church. Listen, all of us in this room, at some point in time, we will pass away. All of us in here have an expiration date. Just like you open up the fridge and you pull out the milk, you pull out the cottage cheese, or if you pull out the milk too late, it will be cottage cheese. There's an expiration date on there, and you're like, mm, don't touch, get rid of, right? It's done. We, too in a sense, have an expiration date. At some point in time, we will face death. And as a Christian, we believe that after death, there is eternal life. That eternal life will be spent in one of two places. It will be in the presence of God or complete separation from God. Heaven or hell. That's it. And then the thing is that we have an amazing, holy, awesome creator God, forgiving and loving and just, who says, I'm going to let you choose. I'm not going to force you. You get to choose heaven or hell. You get to choose being in my presence for eternity or separated from me for eternity. And I was thinking about this. It's sort of like this. If you were to maybe right now imagine you're by yourself and God shows up and whispers into your ear and he says, your time is coming soon. You're going to graduate from earth. What are your future plans? You have two replies, I think. First, my first reply, this would be my reply. God, I believe there's only one God and you are him. And God, I believe in your son, Jesus Christ, the perfect savior who rescued me from my sins and my rebellion. I've prayed, I've asked for the forgiveness of my sins. And God, I believe in your Holy Spirit that now indwells me and helps me make the right choices in life. And I thank you for your word to help me make the choices that I need to make in my life. God, my plans for eternity include you. But here's another thing, or a second choice that some people might say. The other reply would be, um, God, I heard about you. I heard about your son, Jesus Christ, especially at Christmas and Easter. Everybody's talking about Jesus. I don't know about that Holy Spirit thing. Uh, I, I believe there are other gods. Um, I've never prayed or confessed my sins to you. And I, I believe... Well, I don't know if I believe you can save me. I might be beyond saving. I think there's a lot of different ways to get to heaven. So my plans really do not include eternity with you. See, that's the other choice. And some people think, well, isn't there something in between? I, I don't know if there is anything in between because either you accept God or you reject God. There, there's, there's no in between. There's a lot of popular opinion out there that, well, there's a holding place. There's a purgatory where I wait until I'm good enough to get to heaven or what? 
Purgatory is nowhere in the Bible, by the way. It's not there. Going what I believe and understand out of God's word, you accept God or you reject God for eternity. That is why our church, a lot of missions, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, Youth for Christ, Campus Crusade, a lot of ministries out there are so adamant about wanting to share the gospel because we want you to accept who God is. We want you to surrender to an almighty God as we have. Basically saying, he is God, I'm not. And I want to fear and worship and, and love my God. And I want you to experience that same thing. And out of all of that, you know what the bonus is? Here's the bonus, heaven. It isn't about heaven first. It's about being in the presence of God. Heaven's the bonus. Have you ever thought about what heaven is like? Has it ever crossed your mind? It's sort of like this. If, if I were going on vacation, I would spend time preparing, wanting to know where I'm going, how much it's going to cost, how am I going to get there, what am I going to do when I'm there? You know, I start laying out all my, my thoughts. And our family, we've been saving up for a couple of years. I mean, this was pre-COVID. We were like, we want to go out west. We want to go out west. We've been saving and saving and saving. We're finally to the point I think we're going to do it. And so it's like, well, let's make some reservations. Let's go out west and let's camp. Let's take some tents and actually camp. That should be crazy fun, right? So I'm online looking at different campsites. I found one. Okay, yep, let's put our tents down on that one. Made a reservation. I got an email saying, you need to contact us by phone because you cannot make an online reservation for this particular date. Okay. So I called up and I said, hey, I'm calling because I couldn't do it online. Yep, I just want to let you know before we finish the reservations online, your price for your tent camping is going to double and occupancy is going to triple. I'm going, What? Why? Well, there's this big bike rally going on. I'm going, oh, a bike rally. Okay, like what kind of bike rally? And they told me the name of it in a nearby town. And then I heard about what that bike rally, it's got a reputation uh, where thousands of, of guys come in on their motorcycles. There's a party atmosphere, clothing is optional. So I did not look for pictures. I just like <laughs> heard enough, right? Its reputation is well known. Now, if you remember my story from last year when I was on vacation in the cabin and I didn't like my music, what is it going to be like with Pastor Rex and a couple thousand bike riders? And yeah, just don't go there, right? So I canceled the reservation, looked much further south from there, found a place. We're all good, right? But here's the thing. I, I wanted to investigate. I want to know. If this is where I'm going to go for a couple weeks, I want to make sure I'm going to enjoy it, right? Listen, eternity is, I don't know, forever? Do you know what holds ahead of your life? I mean, what, do you know what you're planning for? Do, are, are you ready for this? I know I've thought a lot about heaven this past year, probably more than ever. And uh, losing a loved one will do that to you, right? Not only did I lose my brother this past year, but then a lot of friends and acquaintances. And as a pastor, I, I officiate funerals and I pray for people who've lost a loved one. And, and uh, it's, it's a sad time, right? Many of you know somebody that passed away maybe close to you, and it's been challenging. And the stories are different. Young, old, cancer, disease, accident, whatever it may be. But here's the thing. As different as the story may be, the pain is similar for everybody. And it lingers. And we believe, you know, as a Christian, there's a better place, right? And, and there's, there's no more cancer. There's no more struggle. There's no more tears. There's no more death. And, and we, we hold on to that. And I sit there and think, sometimes I sit there and wish, 
I wonder what my dad's doing. I wonder what my brother's doing. I wonder what they see. I, you know, and you start having those kind of thoughts. I wonder if they look down on me. And over time, it's like, I want to know more about where they're at. So you open up the Bible and you start reading about heaven and, and you want to know more. And, and, and listen carefully, this world's going to pass away. We are going to pass away. It's not all we have. And so as, as a believer in Christ, we know that death and cancer and accidents and sickness and addiction, none of these things hold the final sting. Because Jesus Christ conquered death on the cross and because of his gift, we have eternity to look forward to in his presence if we choose. So if you find yourself right now in a dark place and you are wondering about heaven, take heart. Because God knows the ache that you are carrying. He understands the questions you have. He understands and he wants to remind you and I that there is a glory ahead that can erase all that misery that you feel. So I want to take the rest of this morning and it's going to run into next week because there's so much to cover here and there's no way I can tell you everything I've learned about heaven. There's no one-all sermon that says, here we go, this is all there is. There's so much. And this is like sort of like walking into, if you've ever gone into a room with a salesman for a timeshare, and they're like, hey, you want to sit down? We'll show you some brochures. And they, they fill out a little bit more. And, and they want you to buy in, right? And then it's, you're like, okay, but you, you have no clue. You have no clue until you finally show up at the timeshare and it's yours forever, right? That's the way this is. I can, I can, like a brochure, I can tell you about heaven. We're going to talk about it. We can pray about it. But until we get there, we won't know all there is. But to do so, hopefully, uh, with, all, with the best of my ability, um, you know, we're going to dig into God's word, look at a couple other resources and share that. Because we all have questions about heaven, don't we? If I, right now I'd say on a, on a little three by five or something, write down your question about heaven. As a matter of fact, if you want to, you can go ahead and, and, and email me them. But there's so many questions out there and I don't even know where to begin. Like, uh, will it be an actual place? What are we going to look like when we get to heaven? Will we recognize everybody? St. Thomas Aquinas, he believed that we will all be the age 33 because that's the age Jesus was when he resurrected from the dead. That's just his opinion. There's, there's nothing in scripture that tells us that. So again, how do we answer some of these things? Will heaven be boring? We're going to be there for all eternity. Didn't we just sing 10,000 years? And we, are we going to be singing that song for 10,000 years and you ever? I hope we had some new songs, right? Will there be animals in heaven? Dogs? Yes. Cats? No. <laughs> Come on, people. The devil prowls around like a lion. That's part of the cat family. <laughs> Not in heaven. So, all right, if you're a cat lover out there, my apologies. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Okay. I actually do believe there's going to be animals in heaven. We'll talk about that later. Uh, where will we live in heaven? What will we, be? you know, I hear about mansions. I hear about, you know, condos. What is it? You know? Are we going to be floating on clouds? What does heaven look like? It's a big topic. I'm going to recommend two resources if you want to dig into them as well. Uh, Randy Alcorn wrote a book um, called Heaven, and then John MacArthur wrote one, The Glory of Heaven. Um, Randy Alcorn's, I've read that book. It's a very good book. I will tell you this. At times, some of the things that he, he asked a lot of questions and answers a lot of questions, and some of them I'm going, that's in the Bible? 
You know, and then he'll say, he'll put it right in there. He goes, now, this is not clearly spelled out in the Bible. I'm just telling you through my studies and my opinion that that's what it is. So he lets you know that it's not gospel truth, but it's what he believes as he has studied and, and done. He's, he's read over 140 books on the Bible, front and back from the Bible. Uh, or I'm sorry, 140 books on, on heaven and from front and back uh, to the Bible he has studied. I've also listened to a few other pastors, uh, Pastor Chip Ingram. I enjoy listening to him. And so pulling in a bunch of resources, because here's the thing, church, I can't do this alone, okay? Uh, I want to make sure I do it clearly and, and uh, respectfully of what God's Word says. And so here's where we're going to begin. We're going to begin with the most, I'm going to say the most important truth about, about heaven, okay? Heaven is where God lives, okay? That, that's the most important thing, because God made us for himself. He loves us. He created us. He wants to be with us. I mean, if you read in Genesis and, and you, you are fully aware that God created all things. We go back to the Garden of Eden and there's Adam and Eve. And it was in Eden where the, I believe it's maybe the pre-incarnate Christ where, where God walked with them. I mean, can you imagine that? It is such a beautiful place, a perfect environment, the trees, the fruits, the animals, and the breathtaking scenery, I believe. And there was no sin. Nobody made any mistakes yet. There's no arguing. There was complete transparency uh, of love between God and mankind and between mankind. And, and he walked with them. Can you imagine what that was like? Because the next thing that happens changes everything. Because see, when we get to Genesis chapter 3, sin enters the world. And when sin enters the world, we read from basically Genesis chapter 3 all the way to the Revelation 20, all through there, sin and death, sin and death, sin and death. And it's like, what's going on in this world? Because of sin, death enters in and not only impacts humanity and our relationships, it impacts the environment as well. It impacts the world, all creation. Romans chapter 8, if you read this, it says the whole creation was groaning, longing to be restored. So when you think about tornadoes and hurricanes and tsunamis uh, and, and, and all that, all these things, they were never part of the first earth of Genesis 1 and 2. Those things didn't happen. But when sin entered the world, so did a broken environment. Sin enters, impacts everything in creation. So we have this first earth, Perfection, beauty. Then from basically Genesis 3 through now to Revelation 20, we have a fallen earth. There's sin and death. And in the future, as we open up our Bibles later to Revelation chapters 21 and 22, we learn about that heaven is going to come down onto a new earth and that God will be with us and it's going to be like it was on that first part of earth. You following me on this? What will heaven be like on that new earth. Well, we said, first of all, the most important thing is that's where God is, right? Let's talk for a moment about us. We're going to have a new body. We're going to have a new body. Some of you are like, praise God, okay? Because when I get, as you get older, and you know, some of you younger people now, I see it. I used to hate it when I'd hear somebody up in the pulpit say, you younger people, now I just said it, right? Because I understand, you can wake up in the morning, you have a pulled muscle, and you didn't even do anything but sleep, right? And it's like, when I... In eternity, I have a new body, and I don't have to worry about any of that, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 35. Paul's talking about the resurrection, and an argument takes place with a bunch of people around him. He says, somebody may ask, how will the dead be raised? What kind of bodies will they have? 
And then he gets into this uh, explanation where he looks at nature and he says, well, when seeds are put into the ground, something comes out of the ground, but it isn't like the seed, but it is the seed. It's of the same nature, but it looks a little bit different. In other words, our physical bodies die, and using this argument, we will have a body. It's just not going to look like the one you have right now. It'll be a resurrected body. He talks about the first Adam. He talks about Jesus Christ being the next Adam. He says, the first Adam had a physical body, died. Jesus had a physical body, but he died in resurrection. And that's the kind of resurrected body we're going to have. So there's a long study there in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15 that we won't get into. But we understand this. When Jesus Christ was resurrected body, that's the kind of resurrected body Paul's talking about. Jesus walked around. He ate. He drank. He sat with his disciples and had discussions in his resurrected body. But at the same time, he also, oh, he just appeared. I thought the door was locked. How did he get in here? So there were some other things about him that was like, how did he do that, right? That's part of that, that resurrected body. But here's the thing. He, it was physical. It was concrete. It wasn't like he's floating around like a ghost. Okay. It wasn't that. In this new earth, our body will be transformed. We will have a resurrected body. It will be complete. Different, but not foreign. Because if you remember, people recognize Jesus in his resurrected body. I believe we will recognize one another as well in our resurrected bodies. Now, when you start thinking about this, your head might be spinning. Or you're like, I don't ever remember hearing this in church. You're right, because it's not preached on a lot. I probably preached on heaven maybe 10 years ago. I can't remember when it was. I remember we were over at the school. So that's been a while. Why is it that? And Randy Alcorn even said in his book, he goes, we've gone like 100 years and not talked a lot about certain parts of the Bible that are really clear, like heaven. Maybe we should talk about it a little bit more because I think we have a lot of flawed ideas about heaven. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you, don't, don't raise your hand, how many of you thought like, when I get to heaven, I'm going to be floating around. There's going to be clouds. I'm going to have, I might have wings. I'm going to be playing a harp. I don't even know how to play a harp. I don't want to play a harp. Okay? I mean, have you ever had those kind of thoughts? Nowhere in the Bible is any of that stuff. Nowhere. But yet, for some reason, we've got all these images and thoughts about what heaven is like. So maybe it would be good if we studied a little bit more because that's where we're going to be for eternity for those who have made the choice to give their life to Christ. Isaiah. If we rewind all the way back in the Bible to one of the books of the prophets, Isaiah... Isaiah chapter 65, 17, God said this, Look, I'm creating a new heavens and a new earth. No one will even think about the old one anymore. So 700 years before Jesus even showed up, this prediction is being talked about that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Jesus shows up. He talks about the future. Jesus resurrects. He goes into heaven. Now his disciples are talking about that eternal hope. And everybody starts saying, hey, life is difficult on this earth. When is Jesus coming back? Is there really going to be a new heaven and new earth? What's going to take place? So Peter's like, okay, okay, okay. Guys, I know. As Christians, we're a little nervous right now. Our friend over here, he just got beheaded because he's a Christian. This, these friends of ours, they've been put in prison because they're Christians. This was happening during the biblical times, right, as we read this. And Peter's like, listen, listen. Jesus is coming back. There's a future hope that we all have. Just be patient. Second Peter In his book, he writes this, starting in verse 9. He says, The Lord isn't really slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. 
He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. See, that's God's heart. God's heart is that every person in Ohio, every person in America, every person globally that has a, a beating heart and breath coming out of their lungs, God wants them in heaven. So for people who say God hates people or God hates that certain kind of person, they're wrong. God loves people. And he's being patient so as many people as possible will spend eternity with him. But look what verse 10 goes on to say. But the day of the Lord will come unexpectedly as a thief. See, we don't know when Jesus is coming back. Somebody says, I think he's coming back tomorrow. They're wrong. We don't, because we don't know. We don't. It says, the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. The very elements themselves will disappear in the fire. And the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Verse 11 goes on to say, since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives we should live. He goes on to say, looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along, on that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away into flames. In other words, if you really understood the way this world is right now and the things of this world and the way the things of this world are going, you might want to think about how to live differently because it's not going to be a good ending to this earth and those who do not know God. Look at verse 13. But we're looking forward to the new heavens and a new earth, there it is again, as he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. So according to this promise, we're looking forward, church, to new heaven and a new earth. That's what we're looking forward to. Isaiah said it. Jesus said it. Peter talks about it. There's a coming day when there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. You're going to be a new person in a resurrected body, and the earth is going to be restored, and God will be with us. What's that going to look like? If you could imagine, think back to maybe, let's start with Adam and Eve, the kind of perfect environment they experienced. Put yourself there. A lush garden, trees, fruit, animals, Breathtaking scenery, as I said before. Harmony between each other. Harmony with God. Harmony with nature. You're not worried about storms. You're not worried about animals. Because there's peace. Peaceful, breathtaking scenery. Listen, there's no death. There's no shame. There's no sin. There's no sorrow. There's no pain. There's no divorce. No betrayal. No struggles. Meaningful work takes place. Because as Adam had a job and purpose, we will have jobs. We will have purpose. He ate, he played, he loved his wife. He had intimacy with God. He walked with the God of the universe. He was encompassed with love. And he had this incredible environment and he was free of sin. Can you picture that? That's the new earth. And on this new earth in heaven, we'll have that resurrected body. And that resurrected body, excuse me, we have a new relationship with God. In your Bibles, please open them up to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. In Revelation chapter 21, starting in verse 1, it says this, And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. Verse 3 goes on to say, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. 
He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. Think about that. We have a relationship with God now. We're going to have a new kind of relationship. We're not going to talk to God who's in heaven. He'll be with us. We'll be with him. We'll have a new kind of relationship with God where there's absolutely nothing that comes between us and him. Think about that. Face-to-face, heart-to-heart intimacy. We'll be so overwhelmed, so enveloped with his love and his acceptance and his clarity and his peace and purpose towards us. So much more than what we've ever experienced on earth. Often we have thought, God, if I could just sense that you are here with me. God, if, if you could just let me know your presence here. God, if you could just love on me. If you, you won't have to pray that anymore because it will be happening. It's a new heaven, a new earth, a new relationship with God and a new kind of relationship, listen, with sin. What's going to get removed is what sin has done to your life and done to your mind. What sin has done to this culture, what sin has done to our community, what sin even does to our church, will be removed, will be gone. Look at verses four and five. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down. For what I tell you is trustworthy and true. The past consequences of sin and being on this fallen earth will be gone. Your new relationship with sin means no more abuse ever. No more regrets. No more bad memories. No more betrayal. You won't experience failure ever again. You won't be disappointed. You won't be rejected. You won't shake your head when you look at the news and you see the greed and the murder and the addiction and and the accidents. Church, listen, no more prejudice. No more racism. No more poverty. No more injustice. No more kids getting abused. Praise God. It will be gone because sin is gone and no more death. Emotionally, you will never be afraid again. You will never feel ashamed. There's a new kind of relationship with God, and it means you have a new relationship with sin as well. And all that stuff is gone. And look at verse 6. You're going to have complete satisfaction. He also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. Now, metaphorically, uh, thirst usually had to do with desire. You know, we, we thirst for life. We thirst for relationships. I think we all thirst for significance. We want to be somebody. We want to become somebody. We want to belong. We have all these desires. We want to be satisfied. We want to be accepted. Everybody here wants to be safe. And we thirst for these things. But on this new earth and in this new heaven, that's gone. You no longer thirst for any of that anymore. Because God is your fulfillment. He gives you all those things. No longer will you be sitting there looking at somebody saying, I wish I had their gift. I wish I could do what they do. You won't have that anymore. You won't be longing for that. You won't be saying, oh, I wish I lived in that house like they do or that mansion. You won't be wishing that anymore. You'll never feel like, man, I wish I could do that. I was never able to. You won't have that longing either. Isn't that good news, church? Do you feel the hope of eternity? 
Do you see what we have opportunity to, to look forward to? Satisfaction with God, satisfaction with ourselves. Praise God, he takes care of all that. And God's gonna say, come and drink. I'll fill you up with all this that you've ever longed for. Look at verse seven. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings. I will be their God. They will be my children. But cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers and liars, their fate is the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Basically, the people that reject God, the people who don't want this free gift, the people who want their, their own theme in life, they're like, I want to do it my way. God says, your will be done. If that's your choice, you will not experience all this new heaven and new earth because heaven, new heaven, new earth is reserved for those who love God, for those who place their faith in him. Now, we don't have time to read this, but we're gonna pick this up next week. What does this new heaven that drops down look like? What does that mean for us? What else are we going to experience? What else are we going to see? There's, there's so much more, and we will talk about that next week. But let me ask you, isn't that enough hope and peace to help you all through the week? Isn't that encouraging when you hear what God's Word has to say about your future hope? I look forward to it, and here's the thing. I'm planning for a vacation in the same way. I'm looking forward to eternity. It's not yet, but here's the thing I understand. This isn't my home. This isn't my home. There's so much good ahead, but until that day, God's basically said this. I've got a mission for you, Rex. I want you to invite as many people as you can with you to where you're going to go. That's why we share from the pulpit. That's why we talk and we have ministries and we have opportunities. We want you to know there's a God who loves you. Sin separates from, you, from, from him, but Jesus Christ died so you can have a relationship with him, so that you can experience eternity in the presence of God. So that's my job. I'm going to keep pointing you in the right direction. If you want to go, that's up to you. Let me give you an example. Um, my cousin, because this is the way it works, I didn't come to know the Lord until somebody shared Jesus with me. My cousin shared with me an incredible vacation spot. He said, Rex, if you ever make it out to the Grand Canyon, you need to go to the spot. It's off the path. Nobody knows about it, except those that have obviously been on it. Everybody goes to the visitor center, and they go to all the, the, where the traffic is in the Grand Canyon. He goes, there's a trail. You're going to hike 15 minutes. All of a sudden, you're going to be at the edge of the Grand Canyon. I, so he shared the spot with me. I shared that spot with another person. And then I asked that person, I said, hey, did you get there? He says, yes. Thank you so much. Because basically, and I'll get to the picture here, that was what I shared with him. Here's the location. The address came with it. And it's like, this is what I'm doing right now. I'm sharing this with you. I'm sharing heaven with you. But someday... We will all experience it, just like my friend who stepped on the edge of the Grand Canyon and experienced that. He had the address. He knew where he was supposed to go, but he knew it wasn't going to be until that day when he actually showed up. I know that someday when I show up in new heaven, new earth, it's going to be breathtaking. It's going to be breathtaking. And I hope you're there with me. Worship team, would you come forward, please? So church... What's your future plans? We're going to baptize three people this morning. We baptized somebody in the 9 o'clock service. 
We're going to baptize three more people at this service. And these three young people are basically this. They're going to come up. They're basically publicly proclaiming they have a relationship with God. They're basically going to share with you, you know what? That eternal hope, we have it. And we want you all to know we have it. And when they get in that water over there, they already have a relationship with God. That water doesn't save them. Baptism doesn't save them. They know that it is by faith in God alone that saves them. But when they get in the baptism waters, they're doing what Jesus did and what Jesus commanded. And they're going to get in there and they're going to publicly proclaim as Jesus was buried and resurrected. They're going under, they're coming up, and they're making known, I'm new in Christ. And I'm looking forward to that day. But until that day comes, they're going to keep proclaiming their faith to their friends and family. Five, I, I'm, I'll invite you back today, 5.30. Um, we got a gentleman that comes to the food pantry every Thursday. He goes to another church, but um, he's not been baptized since he's been older. And he's, he said, hey, Rex, would you baptize me? It's like, sure, absolutely. And we talked about it. So he's come by if you're like, hey, I want to come by and get enough of this. 5.30. He's going to share his testimony. We're going to want to get out. It's going to take like five, ten minutes, right? Um, if, if you can, be praying for that moment. Um, but why is he doing it? Why are these three young people doing it? Because they want the world to know they have a relationship with the God of this universe. Would you stand, please? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an amazing God you are. I thank you, Lord, for your love. I thank you for eternity and the eternal hope that we have with you. No more sin, no more worries, no more fears, no more pain, no more struggles. Incredible peace, incredible hope that we are going to experience when we are in your presence. But until that day, God, I pray that we can let others know about this hope. And God, I pray if there's somebody in here today that's never prayed. They've never, they've never come to you and said, God, forgive me. I've messed up. If they've never asked for forgiveness, right now, God would be an awesome time. I pray that they do. We'd simply pray and ask, God, forgive me. Take away my sins. Come into my life. I, I want to I love you. I want to I serve you. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be that voice that helps me make the right choices in life. Come into my life, Lord. I surrender to you. I pray that somebody prays that today. And it doesn't have to be those words, God, as you know, it's, it's in their heart what they want to say to you. But I pray they do that. God, I pray for more people to be baptized. I thank you, Lord, for those that are getting baptized now. And, and I pray, Lord, that there'll be many more and others who are like, I want everybody to know where I stand too. Lord, I thank you for this time we've had to worship you. May you be honored, Lord, as we sing to you now. In thy name we pray. Amen.